Hi, I'm Fred Burton. Welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm here today with Ryan Bull, who is one of our analysts that covers the Middle East and North Africa. Ryan, why is Israel having a third election? Well, uh, it is a long story uh, with some pretty complicated inputs that's creating a, a rather simple output. The complicated things that are going into it is that Israel is a pretty polarized society right now. As we've seen in other big democracies, most recently Britain, which finally broke out of its own political paralysis, Israel is experiencing something of these internal culture wars, uh, squabbling over what it means to be Israeli within the future. And that's making it so that the political parties are able to dig in their heels and rile up their bases. And within the coalition politics of Israel, what that means is that the old alliances that used to get these governments to function have somewhat broken down. And more importantly, uh, what has happened is on the right wing of Israel, uh, within its nationalists and its religious voters, who used to put together uh, pretty reliable coalition alliances to, to govern Israel, they no longer get along. The religious voters want one thing for Israel, the nationalist voters want another, and without them forming some sort of deal or alliance to overcome those differences, it's now been rather impossible for uh, Benjamin Netanyahu to put together a government twice. And more important than that, it's also been rather difficult for his opposition candidate, the opposition uh, leader, Benny Gantz, to put together another coalition from the left. So you have a weak left, a broken right, and that's all leading up to election after election. How does this affect Israel's foreign policy? Well, that's what's interesting, is that that's actually creating some of the space to allow these politicians to have these kind of internal squabbles, these, you know, uh, wallowing in the, these culture wars, so to speak, is because Israel's foreign policy, for the most part, isn't being affected. Uh, one of our best examples of that is how Israel decided to behave over the summer, where it, it opened up a, an airstrike campaign against uh, Iranian-linked sites within Iraq. It did so in spite of the fact that it did not have a formed government. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was a caretaker. In fact, they didn't even have a defense minister at the time. Benjamin Netanyahu was holding that portfolio as well. Um, the IDF is able to carry out these actions on a foreign policy level without having to worry about the politics behind them. They're arguing over stuff that's happening within Israel. What's the future of the ultra-Orthodox? What's the future of nationalism? And then what's the, uh, what the balance between secular and religious is going to be in Israel? They're not arguing over what to do with Iran, what to do with the Palestinians, what to do on the northern front against Hezbollah. They're united there, but divided at home. So will this change Israel's policy on Iran in any capacity? Not meaningfully, no. Uh, there are some perturbations that matter. Uh, we know that Benny Gantz from history was a little bit more hesitant to strike Iran back in the 2012-2013 phase where tensions were very high between Israel and Iran before the JCPOA was signed. Uh, so we know that Benny Gantz would be a little bit more flexible in what might be considered Israel's red lines. Uh, but at the end of the day, whether or not it's Benny Gantz as the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu as the prime minister, both of them agree Iran cannot have a nuclear weapon. Uh, if they take steps towards a nuclear weapons program, they need to act quickly before it can become something that they can't take down militarily. So that hardline Israeli position, no matter who ends up being prime minister, remains pretty consistent. That's, that's the really interesting part, is that it almost doesn't matter who's the next prime minister, so long as the IDF is able to count on their political flank to strike who they need to strike. 
Do you see this uh, acting in sync with uh, the Trump administration as we approach a U.S. election? <clears throat> and that is something else that matters now, increasingly on the Iranian front with the Israelis. Uh, the Israelis have been able to enjoy a very close relationship with President Trump. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has had a very close personal relationship, and that's brought home dividends for them. Uh, East Jerusalem is now recognized as Israeli territory. The Golan Heights is. Those are all Trump administration decisions. Uh, and there may be a window of opportunity that might close with our election season kicking up here in 2020. So the Israelis, as they kick in this next year of going through their third election, potentially even further elections beyond that, have to be thinking to themselves, okay, how much more time do we have this strident American backing? Before that window closes. Before that window closes, because they can't be guaranteed that a successor to the Trump administration will right. necessarily back them. That's one of the that's one of the more interesting things we're tracking here within Stratfor is how is the U.S.-Israeli relationship evolving and changing? Uh, we're at a period of very close relationship between the Trump administration and the Netanyahu government. But neither of those things are permanent features. And every time they take a, a strident act together, uh, it creates polarization in both of their countries and especially on the American side. So it becomes an open question. What will the next president do on Israel policy? The elephant in the room is the Palestinian issue. It seems to always be around. I, I hearken back to my days of working the, several of the Middle East peace conferences and, and so forth. Does this uh, Israeli election affect the Palestinian issue? To an extent, the speed of the trend that we've identified. Uh, and the trend we've identified is the Israelis have moved away from their old formula of land for peace which is what they did from 1948 all the way through, you know, when you were working some of your diplomatic missions back in the 90s. Uh, right. The notion was the Israelis would take territory and then they would trade it to whoever they needed to trade it to in order to gain peace treaties or ceasefires or recognition. They did that very famously with the Egyptians with the Sinai. Uh, they were intending on doing it with the Golan with Syria. Uh, and the West Bank was supposed to be and Gaza to trade those away to the Palestinians for a future Palestinian government that would recognize Israel's right to exist and live more or less in coexistence. Um, they're abandoning that strategy now, as we have seen in the past two years. Uh, they're taking territory and they're holding it and they have no intention of returning it. And that speed of taking and holding territory is accelerating under this Trump administration. Um, but it's happening on both sides of Israel's political spectrum, on both the right and in the center. Uh, the one-state solution, so to speak, is gaining traction. So Israelis are saying to themselves, we're not going to get a viable Palestinian state. Uh, we attempted to create a Palestinian state in uh, Gaza, and what we got was Hamas instead. Uh, and so from this point on, it's much better for the Israelis to assert long-term control of the West Bank and to take territory. And that's actually one of the things that could happen with the third election that could move much faster, is that Prime Minister Netanyahu has said, the next annexation that Israel will take is the Jordan River Valley, the border with Jordan. By doing so, that makes it so that a West Bank country or a West Bank Palestinian state doesn't really work very well. It more or less ends the idea of a viable Palestinian state. So if Netanyahu wins, he promises to make that go faster. But here's the, the, the kicker. Benjamin, uh, Benny Gantz has actually said he's in support of the same policy, just not at the same speed. So the, right now, Israel's political factions are all united in the idea that they need to take, hold, annex, and uh, move populations into those territories in a way that they haven't before. So the, the two-state solution is on its way out the door, and uh, the one-state solution is coming here to stay. Well, thank you, Ryan. And for those of you who would like more information about our coverage of uh, Israel or Ryan's writings on the Middle East, please visit uh, stratford.com slash subscribe. I'm Fred Burt. And I'm Ryan Bull. Thank you. Thank you.